Hello and welcome to Pound the Rock, an NBA podcast by The Score. I'm your host, William Liu. I'm joined in studio by fellow co-host Joseph Gasharo. What's going on? Uh, before we go on to anything else we talk about on this podcast, we have to pour one out for the uh, the rock that this podcast was inspired by. Dwayne Casey's rock, his uh, delicate piece of the Canadian shield, has uh, I'm not sure has been uprooted or not, but I mean, you, you give us a status because you saw it in the locker room. It was on its way out. Yeah, so it it used to be just in front of the locker room. You know, pound that rock every time you leave the, the locker room to get. Did better. you ever pound the rock? I did not. Wow. Uh, I touched it once. I don't know if I pounded it. That's wow. That that's okay. okay. That's that might have to be edited out. Uh, actually, don't. But no, the the rock is now like in a like a interview room kind of area in the bowels of the the Scotia Bank Arena. Almost just said ACC. Um, yeah, the rock is no more. Maybe they can ship it to Detroit for him. Yeah, I was going to say. Windsor Detroit Bridge. That's going to be such a weird uh, line on the accountant's uh, ledger when he's like, yeah, yeah, we have to pay U-Haul like uh, 50 bucks to drive this thing to Detroit. Probably more than $50, to be honest. <laughs> who uh, who makes more threes this year? Andre Drummond or Dwayne Casey's Rock? Uh, Drummond, by the way. 0 for 9 so far. 0 for 9. For but, nine. He, but he's taking them. He, he took them. As he told you in Vegas, these are the shots I'm going to take. He didn't say these are the shots I'm going to make. Correct. These are shots I'm going to take. Um, yeah, I mean, this honestly, this whole Drummond uh, learning to shoot threes thing might be an all-time reminder uh, of um, why you shouldn't believe too much in summer workouts because, yeah, it's not looking great. But anyway, on today's podcast, we are going to discuss the Jimmy Butler news, the latest Jimmy Butler fiasco. news. Fiasco. Let's not call it news. It's it's a fiasco. It's, it's really like he put on a show and it... it it's basically tearing the entire Timberwolves franchise apart. I mean, that's a really sad franchise. I don't think they've ever been lower than this exact moment right now where everyone looks bad. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about the San Antonio Spurs being a little bit of trouble um, because uh, DeJounte Murray has torn his ACL. And quite honestly, I'm a little bit down on the Spurs this year. Uh, we're going to touch on Lakers-Warriors that just took place on Wednesday night. They played uh, in Vegas, and it's a really fun game. Really fun game. A lot of storylines out of that one. We'll talk about how the Warriors and Lakers are shaping up right now in preseason. And then lastly, we're going to touch on Markel Fultz. Uh, in... He's just such a confusing character, to be honest, because we no one knows really what to make of him. And right now, uh, after a promising first two preseason games, it's starting to look really bad for him once again. So let's go back to the top. Jimmy Butler. Um, I like. First off, was he right to do what he did? Right, because which, by the way, if you haven't already heard, Jimmy Butler uh, finally went to Timberwolves practice, showed up late, stayed for about an hour, subbed himself in with the third unit, uh, destroyed the first unit, talked a bunch of smack at both Wiggins and Towns. He screamed at Tibbs. He screamed at the GM Scott Layden, telling him, you know. You know, F this, F that, you can't win without me. Beating everyone up, basically. Um, and then storming out. And that, that that news leaked immediately, like, as soon as practice hit. Like, they were in the showers, and they were already getting Twitter notifications from Woj, describing it as uh, voracious. Well, Woj is really dramatic with those tweets. But, <laughs> um, but then, yeah, and then Butler goes on ESPN and has an immediate sit-down. So it's pretty clear that it was kind of staged. I mean, what are your thoughts initially with that thing? Like, was Butler right to do this? And just how funny was it? I mean, no, of course he wasn't right to do it. But, look, this was performance art at its finest. This is peak NBA. It's why we love, aside from just loving basketball, it's why we love the NBA because no other professional sports league on earth has these kinds of stories. Um, 
Great day for NBA Twitter. Great, great day, day for NBA great fans day. who don't call themselves Timberwolves fans. I think this boils down to Jimmy Butler calling Tom Thibodeau's bluff. Yes. First of all, I don't know why he was yelling at Scott Layden, okay? Scott Layden has the, the <laughs> title of general manager, but Jimmy Butler, if you know anything about the way that the Minnesota Timberwolves operate, like, this guy is just a figurehead. He's got no power. He's got... Tom Thibodeau is his boss. Yeah, that's okay? right. Le- leave Scott Layden alone, okay? Like, yeah. The poor guy's just sitting there minding his business because that's all he gets paid to do, and you're yelling at him? Just, like, save it for Tibbs and Glenn Taylor. But, yeah, so... I think this was just Jimmy calling Tom Thibodeau's bluff. Tom Thibodeau came out and said, you know, if they don't trade Jimmy by X date, they expect him to be back at practice and start the season together. And I think this was Jimmy Butler saying, oh, really? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, you're not, you might not trade me and you might, we might start the season together. All right, here's how that's going to go. Right. And, and he showed them how it's going to go. Um, so... I kind of I get it from what like Jimmy had a strategy here and I get it maybe Definitely it'll work if he, if it ends up expediting his his departure from Minnesota I'm sure he'll look at it as having worked but it's it's very clearly an orchestrated piece of performance art when you consider that Rachel Nichols was already going to Minnesota to yeah. film a sit down with Jimmy what a coincidence right and then he ends up that's the day he ends up deciding to return to practice and putting on this show um honestly i wouldn't be surprised like jimmy said in that sit down with rachel nichols like he mentioned how a, a perfect example of the, the dishonesty within that team is no one even knows who leaked it's like i'm pretty sure it was jimmy who leaked it. yeah like i'm pretty sure jimmy walked out of the gym called woes like here's what i just did and then walked into his interview with rachel nichols <laughs> and whatever i i dig he's, it he's he's look honestly this whole thing is very hilarious um I think it's very interesting that Butler said during that Rachel Nichols um, tell-all, and look, Butler is a very honest dude. Like, when he when he speaks to the press or whatever, he doesn't mince words. He just says what is on his mind, and clearly when he went to practice, what, his, what was on his mind was said to the players, directly to people's faces, right? And we could talk about sort of the response in a second, but just one piece that I think is completely crucial to this whole discussion that we didn't know before was that um, Butler told tips four days after they were eliminated from the playoffs which was in late april that he wants to go so this wasn't like he just told them in training camp which is sort of how the story was initially framed and presented and then after three weeks he's like man i'm pissed i'm gonna throw a fit i mean regardless i don't think this was a great move for him uh in the first place but if tibbs knew from late august that he wanted out then what are you doing, right? If you're if you're Butler, this is kind of the one move you can make. I still don't think he should have made it because I don't think it helps him get a trade done. I think it makes it even more difficult for another team to trade for him right now, um, given this behavior. Like, no team wants to take this kind of risk on a player of this magnitude uh, who's about to get huge money. Um, but, like, you know, it, it falls back on tips and it falls back on the organization. It makes the Timberwolves look like a joke. I mean, when you see reports, such as the one from Chris Haynes of Yahoo Sports, that... Apparently, you know, Butler was obviously directly challenging Cat, you know, like picking him up on defense and then Cat passing the ball out. Like, come on, what are you doing? Right. And then, you know, him basically saying Andrew Wiggins doesn't have heart and doesn't play hard. And then afterwards, Wiggins daps him up. Like, yeah. what? Thanks for stopping by, man. Yeah, Thanks like, for the lesson. What are you big dapping bro? him up for? Oh, th- like, look, this is, and we had uh, a few weeks ago and we had Darren Wolfson on. Right. He actually mentioned the same thing that, um, you know, it was kind of known among the Wolves brass from like early in the offseason that Jimmy wanted out. Right. Um, once they didn't, I guess, see to eye to eye exactly on the extension the, the Wolves wanted to get him, it was very clear immediately he wanted out. 
So yeah, this notion that Thibodeau and the Wolves were kind of blindsided by this late trade request. Okay, maybe he didn't formally say, please trade me immediately, but he told you like, I'm gone. I'm not going to resign there. And this goes back to why there's an issue with a coach having the dual role of coach and executive. Right. Because a regular GM, president, whatever, when they get told that a player's de- like 100% on not coming back when my contract expires, you're going to lose me for nothing. They, the wheels are already in motion, right? We got to find a deal. Yeah. And it might not happen in a week or two, but it'll happen eventually. Look at Paul George. Look at Kyrie Irving. Exactly. Look at Kawhi example. Leonard. Event- yeah. I mean, it it was very long and drawn out, but the wheels were in motion. They were looking for deals. And and Thibodeau, the coach, wanted to still coach a competitive team, so he didn't do that. And he, if anything, this is more Thibodeau than than Jimmy. If you know, mm-hmm. if Jimmy's to be to be believed, and reports are to be believed that he did, in fact, let Tibbs know early in the offseason he wanted out. Then it's on Thibodeau for not right. jumping on this sooner. And also, like, think of like what's Glenn Taylor thinking right now? And listen, he, Glenn, has, he probably has to step in right now. He does. And listen, I know Glenn Taylor isn't exactly the model of like no, not at all. For model ownership in the NBA, he's been very bad as an owner. Just ask Kevin Garnett. <laughs> yeah, just ask David Kahn, who somehow had a job as, oh, a, that's as right. an NBA general manager. Actually, David Kahn's the one guy you can't ask. David Kahn was, but that's what I'm saying. Things, like he'll yeah. be like, I don't know how, how the hell I got that job. Think Glenn yeah. Taylor, but but even so, like just think of what Glenn Taylor must be thinking right now. This guy's franchise, other than the KG years, was for the most part a laughingstock and one of the most irrelevant franchises perennially in the NBA. Right, and then you. Um, through some lottery luck um, and first trading Kevin Love and getting Wiggins and then lottery luck getting Towns. So now you've got two what you think are like transcendent foundational talents and then using that talent to lure a Tom Thibodeau who at the time was the biggest name in coaching yes. on the market. Like by far. Yeah. And okay, you give him the dual role which in that was, very, was, it was very trendy at the time. Exactly. It, but right? at the time it was trendy. So like you got these two young foundational stars. Then you bring in Tom Thibodeau. Yo, people were saying that the first year, like before even Butler got there, they were saying, oh, Thibodeau plus Cat plus Wiggins, that's a 50-win team yes. in the West. They were calling them the, like the the new version of what the Thunder were. Yeah. And then, okay, the first year doesn't go the way you want it to, but then you land Jimmy Butler. So mm-hmm. if you're Glenn Taylor, you have to be thinking like, wow, this is like all working like just the way I envisioned it. We are going to become a model franchise. We're going to have this like just years of success. And what they get out of it? One playoff appearance. Yeah. Um, when they Easily dismissed in five games. As we knew they would be. Yeah. And now, and we are like, you know, shameless plug, but check out, Will and I did like a uh, dual byline piece yesterday, just right. kind of uh, stating how everybody loses after Butler's practice tirade. And one thing I mentioned at the end is like, you can make the argument that when... Jimmy Butler and Tom Thibodeau leave the Timberwolves, which both will probably be leaving soon, if we're being frank. Right. Um, they will have left it in worse shape than they inherited it. And I know that sounds harsh, but really look at it. Like, okay, oh, Jimmy, man. yes, Jimmy Butler took them to the playoffs for the first time in 14 years. Yeah. But when you look at what was expected and, like, where the franchise was when they traded for Butler, and, again, these two young guys, and, like, this is going to be... If you leave it in the shambles it's in right now, that's worse shape. Just because you got one playoff game victory out of it doesn't mean you're in better shape than you were a year ago right and then from Tibbs' perspective same thing he inherited a team that already had these two young guys on it so everyone already thought they were on the way up it's not like Tibbs put them there and when he leaves inevitably probably within the next year whether it's being fired or something else like you can make that same argument that they're at least perception wise worse Mm -hmm. off than they were when he got the job yeah and man that perception point i mean 
the whole franchise looks like a punk. Like, how do you just let someone come in and do this, right? Like, at some point, if you're Carl Anthony Towns, you just got that massive extension, which, I mean, I think he's earned based on his talent, but still, you are now the leader of this team. You know that Butler's about to leave, right? Butler's not even really part of the team anymore. Like, how do you just let him walk into the gym and do what he did? Like, someone has to stand up and say, no, get out of here. Like, you, you can't be doing this. Like, you know, like, or Tibbs. Why doesn't Tibbs say anything? Like, the whole franchise just looks like a joke. I mean, whatever. We kind of knew the Timberwolves were a joke. They've, As someone on Twitter said, um, the, Tim, the Timberwolves have acted like an expansion franchise for 30 years running. Like, it's true. They really have operated like that. Um, and, yeah, I mean, like, you look at you look at Towns, you look at Wiggins. Like, you don't really have much faith in those guys. And, really, if I, I don't like. I don't think Butler's any closer to trade after this because um, you know it's just it's just so messy right now. Like even though his cost probably came down, like I still think that there is also a cost in terms of uh, a PR hit in terms of like let's say you're the Heat or the Rockets or whoever trading or the Clippers trading for him. Like you're gonna have to explain a lot and you're gonna have to make sure that you know your owner and your the player has to have a conversation with Butler to say hey make sure this is not gonna happen again. Um, but still. Man, you you cannot feel good about this whole situation. You just can't. Like everyone looks terrible, um, and yeah, I mean, if there's one thing that Butler did prove, it's just that, like, yeah, all these reports about Wiggins and Cat not having the uh, fortitude to lead a team. I mean, like, man, this is a moment where you got to lead the team. Just just tell Butler to go. You you can't. And like, that's the thing. Wiggins is dapping up Butler. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. And even Cat, man, like you mentioned, like he yeah. just signed that mega deal while yeah. all this Butler stuff is in the background. Like, that's the Timberwolves basically saying, you are the guy now. Mm-hmm. We we are entrusting this franchise to you. And again, as they should. I know he's got his defensive limitations, but his his offense is so like generational that it, it almost doesn't matter how bad he is. It really, he's that good on yeah. one side of the court. Um but, like, yeah, like you said, this is your moment, man. He's coming in and punking you and your whole yeah. team. This is now your team. You're supposed yeah. to be the leader of these guys. He probably went home and played Fortnite. I'm not going to lie. It's like a new Call of Duty came out. Like, like it, man. Oh, man. It's, it's I mean, brutal. look, he's 20, like, he's like 21, 22 years old. Like, I get it. But also, like, come on, man. The, the last two things I'll say about it are this. I know you mentioned he's probably, he's not closer to a trade. If anything, he might be further. Yeah. But I'm convinced Pat Riley's sitting in Miami, like, uh, confused about why everyone's making a big deal of this practice, being like, sounds like a Wednesday to me. <laughs> I was like, going to say, yeah. like, Yo, I don't get it. What's the big deal? My favorite part about all this is um, the reports that leaked out about how, um, like, Woj said it, Haynes said it, so I'm pretty sure it's either the agent or whoever is leaking that. But they're all saying that, like, man, some of the players felt really invigorated after he came back. They said it was the best practice they've had so far. And I'm yeah. like... That was clearly just like Wiggins, or not Wiggins, um, Taj and, and Rose and or those old guys. Or it's the third stringers that had their <laughs> oh, best yeah. practice ever because Jimmy Butler carried them. It's like, oh, Man. members of the T-Wolves uh, energized by Wednesday's practice. Like, yeah. Kata Bates, jo- Bates' job right? has a time like, of his life. If me and you played with Jimmy Butler and beat a team with Cat and Wiggins on it, guess what? We'd be real energized too. It doesn't mean shit. Yeah, and the, the last thing I was going to say, and I know Wolfon has made this point too. Uh, shout out to Wolfon, not here today. Yeah, guy gets one G League practice in and thinks he's big time. I was gonna say, yeah, he's he's on DMP rest right now. <laughs> Jimmy Butler and Wolfon probably could have beat Cat and Wiggins on Wednesday. <laughs> um, but the last thing I'll say, and Wolfon's mentioned it too, is like the one thing with Butler, where as much as I do think he's like a call it like he sees it guy, the one thing we can call into question is this whole like all I want to do is win. Just cliche he's throwing out there that he wants people to believe because dude. Okay, listen, you know that's fine. If you think Wiggins and Towns are soft and the organization's not well run and you don't think you can win there, fair enough. 
But you can't tell us with a straight face after your list is reportedly Brooklyn, the Clippers, and Miami yeah. that like the only thing you care about is winning. It's fine if that's not because it shouldn't be the only thing you care about realistically as a human. Yeah, of course. In your career. But don't tell us that's what it is when it's very clear that's not. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, Butler basically is living out a uh, Mamba mentality fantasy right now. That's that's what's going on. And uh, it's and honestly, it's it's pretty cute that he did this. Uh, moving on, another team that's in trouble in the Western Conference is San Antonio Spurs. Um, I think that's he, they're probably the one team that's going to benefit the most from all this turmoil in Minnesota, just because. They are not guaranteed to go back to the playoffs right now. And I know that sounds sacrilegious because they made the playoffs 21 years in a row. I think that's like a professional, that's a record across the four major professional sports in North America. But man, this is a Jonte Murray thing. Him like going down with the torn ACL. Look, I know it's just a Jonte Murray. It's not that big of a deal. But it kind of is a big of a deal because when you look at the roster right now, after everything that went on this summer, this team doesn't really make sense, right? Like, Look at the starting five right now. You probably think either Patty Mills or Derek White is their starting point guard. So either way, both poor defenders. right? So you got those two. Either one of those two at point guard. You got DeMar DeRozan at two. He's a really bad defender. He's always been. Rudy Gay, very disinterested as a defender. He's a little bit better now. Like I think he's older. He kind of wants to win more, but still not a good defender. LaMarcus Aldridge, who has like maybe two years of being a good defender as a track record, and only when he's motivated. And then Pau Gasol, who is like a 37-year-old statue, right? So this team is going to really struggle defensively. And when you look at this team last year, they won 47 games. The reason why they won 47 games, they had the third best defensive rating in the league. That's the only reason. They ground their way to victories. Um, but if they can't do that this season, I don't know, man. I'm really worried. And basically, Murray was the only guy that was going to play defense in that starting lineup, and now he's gone. Yeah, and like, you, so now we, they've lost another defender. And then the one thing Murray wasn't going to do anyway, but it's still an issue, is obviously shooting. Yeah. Um, we've talked about, like, the duplication with in the mid-range with LaMarcus and, and DeMar, but just, it, like, the general shooting on this roster. If you look at last year's roster um, and then add, you know, who'd they get? DeRozan and Pirtle, essentially. Neither one can shoot threes. Yeah. DeMar will try, but he still can't. Um, who is, like, a proven NBA three-point shooter on this roster? Bryn Forbes? No, nah, it's your like, boy. It's your boy, Marco. Right. But that's one. Yeah, that's belly. One. Belly is it. And then it's like, what, Bryn Forbes, who took three attempts a game and shot really well last year. Davis Bertans, who can shoot for his size. But, like, yeah. if you're counting on Davis Bertans to, like, open up the floor for you consistently, that might be a problem. He's Matt Bonner who can dunk. And then Patty Mills and Derek White. Like, they don't have – they just don't have enough shooting from, like, their key guys. They don't have any shooting from their key guys. Yeah. Out of their, like – key guys i think you can argue power might be their best shooter that's not like yeah it's just a it it's one thing if they're the spurs of old and they can just grind you into the ground and mm-hmm. defend like crazy but clearly this roster will not be able to do that so if you can't defend and you can't shoot in yeah. the modern nba then how are you how are you going to be a winning team yeah look i know it's again it's sacrilegious to talk anything to to criticize anything about the spurs right they're a hallowed organization and things like that but like if you look at what they have done after they won their championship, they have just consistently failed to get two-way players onto the team. They get one-way players, a lot of them, defenders, right? Like Jonathan Simmons is a defender, right? You get guys like, uh, who was a center a couple years ago uh, that plays with the Hawks? Now. Deadman. Deadman, yeah, Deadman's a defender. Or they get offense-only guys like Bellinelli, like Patty Mills, right? Like, you know, 
it's they don't have the two way guys, and every year in the playoffs, it kind of gets exposed. Like they don't do well in the playoffs these days. I mean, like they went to the conference finals, but like that was solely based on Kawhi. Their second best player for that series is probably Jonathan Simmons, who left. The, who they just let go for nothing, right? And they discovered him from the G League and everything. You would think you want to keep him, you don't. And then you look at the roster right now; they just have no two way wings. They're all one way, and their wing depth is not great. Like they probably should play small with. Um, Rudy Gay at power forward instead of starting Pau Gasol. They but, definitely should do that. But, like, quite honestly, like, Pop kind of likes to start these bigs. And I just look like I look at this roster. It's, like, the most anti-Spurs roster you can kind of come up with, right? Like, the image, the defining image, at least of the modern Spurs, is that, like, they play the beautiful game. They pass the ball so well. They get people move. They have shooters. And they're quick decision makers. That... None of that applies to DeMar DeRozan, Rudy Gay, or LaMarcus Aldridge, right? And I think the other issue that people aren't really talking about is, is LaMarcus Aldridge going to be fully committed to this team when there's another star on the team, right? Like, we've seen it. When Damian Lillard was coming up, he didn't really like the situation in Portland. He got out of there. Then he came to San Antonio. He thought he was going to be the number one guy. He was told he was going to be the number one guy. Kawhi Leonard emerges. He's the number one guy. Then he's not happy. Doesn't have his uh, great year. Legit wanted out. He legitimately wanted out. And I think Spurs fans kind of wanted him out too. They were really disappointed with what LaMarcus brought. And it was only last year when LaMarcus finally delivers on a great two-way performance. He's all NBA again. The reason for that is because Kawhi wasn't there. Right? Kawhi was hurt, and so he got to be the number one guy again. So is he going to be okay now that DeRozan's coming in? Because DeRozan's going to get a lot of touches. And not only is he going to get a lot of touches, but at least Kawhi was playing defense and shooting threes. DeMar DeRozan is not playing defense. He's doing neither of those things. And he's coming to the mid-range, right? So, like, I could see LaMarcus looking at the situation and being like, yo, what's going on? I, I got <laughs> I got shoved, you know, down the line again. And I, I don't know if he's going to be happy with that. So if, Even if, say, he's content, if if... Aldridge and DeRozan are just who they were last year, which, look, was great for what they were like. Yeah. Aldridge had a great um, comeback season, and DeMar, despite his obvious limitations, had a great season in his own right. Like, he earned that top seven MVP vote, whatever it was. DeMar had a great year. If DeMar, DeRozan, and Aldridge are just what they were last year with this supporting cast around them, are the Spurs a playoff team? That's what I'm saying. It's, it's going to be tough. At least one thing in their favor is that there are a couple teams falling apart. Yes. Um, you know, I, I think people don't think much about the Portland Trailblazers. And, you know, we've given our reasons for that on this podcast. People don't really think much about the Timberwolves because, obviously, they're going to fall out of the playoffs once Jimmy Butler leaves. Which, by the way, Jimmy, the, the, the Timberwolves over-under total is still 41.5. It's 41.5? 41.5. I, I, would, I would hop all over that if, if, I, if I did. Like, go under, you're saying. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Are you kidding me? This team is not winning 41 yeah. games. Yeah. Um, what if, okay, what if Jimmy stays? What if they actually, like, not, not stays long-term. That's not happening in any world. But, like, what if they actually just ride this thing out, don't no. find a trade they like? Just imagine it. In a faraway land, this actually happens. And, Jim, like, pissed off Jimmy plays a whole year with this team he hates, but still plays like Jimmy Butler on the floor. Then they make the playoffs. They do. Uh, uh, they do. They make okay. it. it, and it'd be super fun to watch because it'd be hella awkward. But they they would make it. Mm. Like I'd put them over the Spurs easily. I don't know, man. I feel like Cat might just like feign an injury and just leave for the whole year. Like I don't think he wants to deal with that stuff, to be honest. Um, but I mean, yeah, I think that's probably the only thing the Spurs really have going for them because I, I just look at the roster. It doesn't really make sense, man. It's not. It's not the Spurs, and I think it really circles back to like, is Popovich going to be able to work his magic without any stars on his team? Right, like 
because you know, like all due respect to Lamarcus and Demar Derozan, none of the kind of stars that like Tony Parker was, or that Mona Ginobili was, that Kawhi Leonard was, or that Tim Duncan was. They like, pops had those guys for twenty one years. We saw last year what happened. They weren't a very good team. They were prepared and they were creative and. Popovich, you know, had them beating up on, you know, crappy teams and had a good defense. But, like, that really still only got them 47 wins. You know what I mean? Like, think about, like you said, all due respect to DeRozan and Aldridge, who are both perennial all stars and, like, at their best. Both all NBA last year. Yeah. You know, at their best, we're talking like all NBA second, third team type players. But when you're talking about, like, the truly, like, build a championship around one player, like, he's that good enough, like, top five type of player. This is the first time since what? When did they draft David Robinson? Because really, they had David Robinson. Yeah, that's true. Then they had Tim Duncan. And yeah. then they had Kawhi Leonard. So not including the years when like Kawhi was hurt or the year David Robinson got hurt. If you're just, I'm just saying like under contract on the team. This is right. the first time since like the mid '80s that the San Antonio Spurs don't have that kind of transcendent talent on the team. Right. And I think that's where. You know, people take it for granted. No one wants to take anything away from what Popovich does. I think Popovich is the best coach in the league. Quite possibly the best coach of all time. But, I mean, come on, man. Like, you still need... Even a great coach needs talent to go out there. 72-year-old Popovich isn't suiting up and hitting jumpers while DeMar DeRozan drives to the rim. Like, that's not happening, right? So, I don't know, man. I think we both agree the Spurs are a little bit of trouble. We'll see whether or not they miss the playoffs or not. But uh, that Murray injury is actually a big, big loss for them. Anyway, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the Lakers, we're going to talk about the Warriors, and we're going to touch on the latest development in the strange, confusing career of Markel Fultz. Hey listeners, a friendly reminder to rate, review, and subscribe to Pound the Rock on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. We also urge you to check out our other shows on the Scores Podcast Network. For baseball fans, there's Expand the Zone, Sweeper Keeper, Covers the World of Soccer, and there's the Fantasy Football Podcast with Justin Boone. Please also download the Score app, where you can find all our feature content, live scores, and the most up-to-date breaking news. Thank you, and back to Pound the Rock. Welcome back to Pound the Rock, still here with Cash. Um, The Lakers and the Warriors played a very entertaining game last night uh, in Las Vegas. The Lakers won 123-113, if you're interested in preseason scores. I'm not too interested, but... I did really enjoy what I saw out of LeBron, who only played the first half, um, but he had 15 points, 10 rebounds, 5 assists in 17 minutes, and a whole handful of highlights. Um, It's made me really excited to watch the Lakers this season, even more than what I was, because when you see LeBron making um, plays that basically only LeBron can make, you know what I mean? Like someone literally a center holding onto his arm, Kavon Looney, and he's able to spin and still finish an and one. You know With what I mean? With his offhand. With his, his offhand. Hand, yeah. yeah. I mean, LeBron doesn't really have an offhand, but still, like, uh, I'm I'm very excited to see the Lakers this year. Yeah, I think. Look, I think they very much look like the team I expect them to be. They're they're going to be fun, and they're going to move, man. They're going to run. They're gonna yeah. like they're going to play hard. They're going to try to play the right way as much as you can with that roster. Mm-hmm. Um, they're they're going to be fun to watch, and they're probably not going to live up from like a wins and losses perspective to the standards people have for LeBron every year. But they're going to be fun. They're going to give some teams some trouble. And and yeah, if LeBron James plays seventy five plus games, they're going to make the playoffs, obviously. But I think you so that's what you saw last night is you saw those teases of like what LeBron and young players can be. And I'm not talking about young scrubs, because in the past LeBron's good teammates 
In the past, LeBron's good teammates have been vets, right? Like Hall of Fame type vets. And then usually the young talent he's with are kind of scrubs. Mm -hmm. That's traditionally how LeBron teams are built. So it's going to be fun to watch LeBron where his best teammates are the young guys. Right. He's got to play with these guys. He's got to yeah. run with these guys. You gotta, and, and it's going to be fun, man. Like some of the connections him and Lonzo had, yeah. him and JaVale, like it's just... JaVale's been a revelation. I mean, let's just be honest. I, I still don't a think preseason JaVale, revelation. Yeah, but, well, yeah. But I mean, I, I still don't think JaVale's going to play extended minutes just because of his health. But I mean, like, he's been phenomenal. Look, if <laughs> JaVale McGee gives you... He's probably their best signing outside of LeBron this offseason. 12 to 20 minutes a night playing the way he's playing in the preseason... It's great. You're laughing. Yeah. You're laughing. Yeah, he fits his style perfectly, too, because they want to run up and down. They need a vertical threat. They, the one thing the, issue, the, um, the Lakers don't have right now is they have a lot of guys that can move and they can cut, but they don't have anyone outside of LeBron and, uh, I guess, JaVale when he rolls to the rim that can actually move the defense in a way. You're not too worried if Lonzo decides to go from the left side of the floor to the right side of the floor. It doesn't really matter that much. Um, but, yeah, I mean – they're fun, man. And I think LeBron has said, and he's kind of done the right things in terms of pushing the pace, playing with tempo. You know, he said it'd be stupid to not, you know, play up tempo with a young roster like this. And he's doing it. I mean, he's never done it before in his career. I know he's never had a top 10 um, season in terms of his team finishing top 10 in pace. Uh, but I think this year he really might do it. And I think he recognizes for an older guy, like it's way easier for him to play in transition than it is for him to. Um, you know, attack a, a half-court defense, something like that. So it's been fun. Um, are you – so out of the Lakers supporting cast, I mean, we both talked up JaVale a little bit, but who have you been impressed with out of uh, this sort of assembly of players that the Lakers are throwing out there alongside LeBron? Uh, I guess Ingram, but, like, I feel like that's just biased because I came into the year being, like, Ingram's the next best player on that team. and Yeah. I think I mean, he more, had a great game yesterday. He 26 did. I, points. Yeah, he had like 17 free yeah, throws. He, he looked really good. He just looks more sure of himself on the court. Right. His like movements look more fluid, if that makes any more sense. Yeah. His first couple of years, it, like you could see it building, but there were a lot of like kind of awkward moments with him on the court. Where he was right. like, oh, I don't even know if he knows what he wants to do when he got the ball there. Like he just seems more confident, more sure of himself, and more fluid with what he's doing, especially on the offensive end. So I'll go with Ingram. Yeah, I was going to say, that's that's the guy I wanted to pick. Although, I'm really excited to see more of Lonzo with LeBron, sure. just because I think the connections those two can make as both elite passers would be very interesting. I think um, some promising signs you saw where, um, you know, Lonzo hit a three, the, the form looks good. All he, he did shoot an air ball his first shot, but that's like his first shot of preseason. He shot an air ball. What's the big deal? Um you know, he connected with LeBron on a lob alley-oop. Uh, it was like a nice little, I'm not sure if it was an inbound play or just like a quick play on the sideline, but just like a little brush screen, and then Lonzo cuts all the way to the rim. LeBron finds him, obviously. I think those two can really work well together, so I, I want to see more of those two. But, I mean, I think everyone's been impress impressed with, uh, with Ingram, and I, I think like what we said coming into the summer has sort of held true in preseason is that like, their best players are going to be those young guys, the guys are that they've held over from that core, like Josh Hart as a two-way player, um, you know, uh, Kuzma. Kuzma as well. Uh, I'm not really seeing too much out of Kuzma defensively, but offensively Kuzma can you know, put up shots for sure. Um, and so those guys are probably their best guys. And then JaVale. Like, I know it's, it doesn't sound that impressive, but I think everyone looks a lot better playing along LeBron. And LeBron hasn't even played a full game yet, and he's already made a lot of highlights, so... It's going to be a fun year, uh, to say the least, uh, in Los Angeles. Uh, one thing I wanted to touch on with the Warriors, though, are you concerned about Draymond Green not playing very much and also that their supporting cast looks thinner than ever 
to be honest. The Draymond thing, not so much until until we have real reason to worry um, about like what the underlying issue is. Right. Okay. Uh, it's, it's his knee, right? He's soreness? Something. Knee soreness? He's, he's, he's just generally sore. I thought sore. it was knee soreness. Okay. Let's All right. Well, the soreness. fact that we're not even sure is probably a good bet that it's like not anything to be concerned of right now. But the depth, I do think, is an issue. Look, they can, they're can. they so talented that they can sustain an injury or two to superstars and still be okay because they're that good at the top. Right. Um, and then they got Boogie waiting in the wings eventually. But, yeah, like while Boogie's out, if one of their big four – actually, I can't even talk myself into this. What am I saying? They still have a big four without Boogie. Like if two of their big four get hurt, yeah, then the death could be an issue because their, right. their bench is pretty trash. Like other than Livingston and Iggy. Who have been there forever. And yes. They, they look old, man. But like – even those guys who have lost a step, look beyond those guys, and you're looking at what, like J- Jacob Evans, Tyler Eulis. They mm. have Tyler Eulis this year. Jo- Jonas Jerebko, Kevon Looney, McKinney. It's like these guys will play hard, but they're not very good. No, they're 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 not, man. And I think the one issue is that like they have that issue on the wing. We saw it last year; got kind of exposed in the playoffs against the Rockets where the Rockets were just able to throw out more wing guys and the the Warriors just weren't able to do that. And uh, you know, they come they've come back with Jacob Evans, who is four of seventeen so far, whatever, he's a rookie. Um Jonas Jerebko, five of seventeen, wasn't good last year, has not been good so far. He honestly played one of the worst first halves I've ever seen out of anyone <laughs> in yesterday's game. He was just yeah, terrible. He was bad. Uh, and then Alfonso McKinney, who has been decent from the field, but 0-5 from three, not much of a shooter. Really just an athletic guy that honestly couldn't even crack like the 15-man roster on the Raptors last year. Which, like, the Raptors were a deep team, but there was no room for Alfonso McKinney to play, and he spent a lot of time in the G League. So, I, I don't know, man. Their, their, their wing rotation is still a bit sketchy. Like, I'm a little bit curious. Like, why didn't you get someone like Glenn Robinson III, who wouldn't cost, like, $2 million, Or, like, uh, James Ennis, who went to the Rockets and has been pretty solid for them. Like, it's just an And that might guy. cause them problems come right. playoff time. Exactly, right? I'm just surprised. They just never want to shore up the wing. They always want to get a big guy. And, like, obviously, if you can get Boogie for five mil, that's a great deal. But still, you got minimums to fill out. And the minimums, I don't know. They haven't done anything yet. So The funny thing to me is that when they're fully healthy... The Warriors have five superstars, mm-hmm. but yet as a team, they're probably like only seven deep. Like, really? Yeah. Eight deep max. Max. And um, and they have older guys that, you know, they're not injury prone, but like, come on. I, I don't know what else you got to say about Iguodala. Like, he will show up for the playoffs. We know that for sure. And he's very good in the playoffs, but he's not going to give you much in the regular season. And so you've got to find that from somebody, man. So and The playoffs are six months away. That is like, true. They, that is they true. need... Someone t- to f- plug holes for six months. That's a long time. Yeah, I mean, like, I, they'll probably buy, they'll probably get someone on the buyout market. But like the buyout wings in the past couple of years have just been really shoddy. Like unless you want a guy like Gerald Green, um, which you know Houston had a good situation for him because it was in Houston. But otherwise, he's had issues in other places. Like I don't know what you do, man. So, but I mean, look, they're still the Warriors. They still have five All Stars. I think they'll be all right. Um, last thing before we move on to. Markel Fultz. So there is breaking news on the podcast, all right? Um, according to Sham Sarania of The Athletic, Timberwolves all-star Jimmy Butler called a players-only meeting today, airing his grievances uh, towards the situation and management per league sources. Butler expressed to players he would compete with them as signs pointing to him staying with the franchise into the regular season. So, 
What's going on, man? <laughs> What's going on? What's going on? No, maybe like, don't take that bet that we talked about earlier. You know. Don't take that bet. If Butler's on the team, maybe don't take that bet. But, I mean, seriously, what's going on? He just really punked the whole franchise, and now the franchise is going to keep him? Oh, my God. Look, I... It's so ugly, man. <laughs> we started this podcast by saying that Jimmy called Tibbs' bluff. I I don't know. Maybe Tibbs called his bluff back. Yeah. But... Jimmy's the one calling the players only meeting. Like I don't know. Maybe I. Maybe he's got an indication from his agent, from the front office, from somebody. Like you're not going anywhere anytime soon. There's no good deals to be had. Sit tight. Um, and at that point, what what are his options? Hold out and lo- like. No, he know? wants his money. Exactly. So, uh, he's got no other option right now. I guess if he's holding the players only meeting, it's encouraging only in the sense that. Uh, after yesterday, I would have assumed if he was back to start the season, he was going to be this kind of a problem every day. Like, I thought this was him telling Tibbs, like, this is what it's going to be until you move me. Yeah. Maybe if he's the one calling the players only meeting and saying this stuff, whether he's genuine or not, like, it's got to be at least somewhat of a positive sign. I <laughs> I don't know, man. Like, what what else can you make of it? Uh. I. <laughs> Unless this players only meeting was just another form of him calling Wiggins and Towns, you know what? No, oh, I mean he probably did. By the way, there's another update from Shams. Several players spoke up in the players only meeting, but Butler led it and made it his issues with management uh, clear. Um, his message was similar to the one he displayed on Wednesday. I run this, so well, it's it's still his team, even though he's about to leave the team. It's still his team. Like if you're Cat and you just signed this max, I mean. What are you doing, man? Like, yeah, say something, See, do thing, something. Once Butler leaves, they're stuck into this huge leadership void. So someone else is going to have to step in. Well, yeah, like if, like if you got two guys on max contracts and neither of them can lead, like what are you doing? If it's if you're really a member of the T Wolves, that's not Cat Wiggins or Butler. Like, if you're there after Butler leaves, yeah. How do you look? Kind of. Uh, I'm sorry. Forget Wiggins. Yeah. For, like, but how do you look at Towns yeah. as like the guy and your leader off the court? You can't. When you, you witnessed him get punked the way he did by Jimmy Butler like multiple times by the time this is all said and done. Right. Uh, this is a mess, man. It's a complete it's, mess. It's, it's a complete mess. As we said yesterday, everybody loses. You think this is why Tibbs brought in so many um, former Bulls just to be on uh, Jimmy's side when Jimmy inevitably uh, staged his coup? Because, like, you know, like, if you're, if you're Jeff Teague, Jeff Teague was asked about after practice yesterday. He's like... I love Jimmy Butler's energy, man. I love having him he on the team. He said they talk about everything but basketball, like country music and WWE. That's a real quote from Jeff T. So you know he's on Butler's side. You know Taj is on Butler's side. Derrick Rose is probably on Butler's side. Although Derrick Rose strikes me as like the quiet type that's just like keeping him to himself. He's not going to say much uh, in the locker room. And then Lou Aldang is, you know, probably still trying to find his IV and <laughs> try to get healthy. So. He's, from, he's learning how to dribble again. Yeah, um, we'll see. You know, it's like, been a 32-year process for him. I uh, I wrote a piece last February mm-hmm. that has not aged well. And no, I tried not to, at it's all. aged horribly. It, I went down to the arena and like built something around basically how uh, Jimmy Butler and, to a lesser extent, Tash Gibson were helping Thibodeau like, instill that old Bulls culture, like not in a bad way, like, in a good way, with this young Timberwolves team. And like... Towns talked to me for it. Wiggins talked about... Man, there's a quote in there 
from Wiggins where he talks about how Jimmy Butler and Taj Gibson were teaching these guys how to be professionals on and off the court. This was like eight months ago. Tyus Jones talked about, you know, getting to practice and seeing Jimmy Butler there early and everyone's like, oh, we want to work like Jimmy, which I guess is still true. But Mm. this was eight months ago and these guys were all about how like, yeah, man, they're like really helping deliver Tibbs' message and it's going to like lay the groundwork for years to come. And now here we are. Yep. I run this, man. Shout out Jimmy Butler. He actually looks... I got, I respect him a lot more after all this. I'm not going to lie. I don't think other teams are going to look at it that way, but I respect him a lot more. Except Pat... I'm telling you, Pat Riley. Yeah. He's, Pat Riley doesn't care, man. He's probably just still trying to you know scam them by taking uh, Dion Waiters and Tyler Johnson for Jimmy Butler. It might work at this rate. It might work. Anyway, last thing. Uh, Markel Fultz... Um, I, it's weird because like he's not even doing that poorly. It's just that like people are expecting a number one pick, and he basically didn't play as a rookie because he had confidence and injury issues. Um, and you know, so when they see him back on the court, they expect great things. I mean, he's the first overall pick. He has not looked good. He has not looked good. And in terms of just confidence, right? If the Sixers are trying to build his confidence, this is not the way to go because Brett Brown is out here saying that. He's going to start Markel Fultz, and he's committed to starting Markel Fultz, but it's going to bring him off the bench for the second half. Like, I don't know, man. I don't know how that really bolsters anyone's confidence, really, to be like, hey, you're a token starter. This is the definition of a token starter. And I think part of the reason is just, like, they're better with J.J. Redick instead of Fultz. I mean, Redick went to China uh, in front of many hostile fans for obvious reasons and shot 10 of 10. The, the guy clearly... You know, is, is a gamer, right? So um, he has sort of confidence in a way that I don't think uh, Fultz has. And I, and I mean, they were one of the best starting lineups in the league last year with, with JJ. And I don't think they really want to mess that up. Yeah, I think I don't get it at all. And, and the one argument they have is that they're like, they're trying to look f- to the future, right? Mm-hmm. And Fultz is part of that future, obviously more than JJ Redick is. Um, and they think they need what Fultz can be if they're going to reach their ultimate goal. But I think it kind of sends a message that they don't actually believe that they're ready to win right now. Because if you're ready to win right now, if you truly believe we can win right now, this year, um, then you go with your best five. Yeah. And their best five is Simmons, Redick, Covington, Saric, Embiid. And again, I mentioned on the last podcast, what I don't understand is if they're that committed to starting Fultz, which I, if he's, at his best, I could see why. Like, it gives him another kind of off-the-bounce creator and a guy who can, like, get to the heart of the defense. I get it. But he, we're not sure that he's that yet. So if they... But even so, if they really wanted to start on that bad, why do they have to pull Redick? Like, yeah, I'm not saying Covington deserves to get benched, but there's an opportunity right there. You mm-hmm. plug him into Covington's spot, and then yeah. you just defensively have Ben Simmons guarding threes and fours and, like, Saric guarding... Like, it's fine. It's not like if you replace Covington with Fultz, Fultz has to guard threes and fours. That's not how it works. Right. So, like, there's an easy answer there. And then, yeah, they don't really have to do anything with Like, I don't know why they're tinkering with something that worked so well. It was legitimately, I think, the best or one of the best um, high usage lineups last season. Yeah. Why would you mess with that? And they desperately need Redick's shooting. Right. Which, look, I just think it's a misunderstanding from the start. Like, Okay, you spent all season, all offseason talking about how, wow, Markel Fultz looks a lot better. He's a lot more confident. The shot is a lot better. We're going to start him. 
Like, why did you go that far? You didn't need to start him. You could just tell him, like, hey, he's going to be our sixth man this year. All right, he's got to earn the way into the team, but we love his progress, and we want him to be a big part of this team. We know he's going to be here for a long time. We took him first overall. We're committed to him. We're going to make him the sixth man, and we'll see. If he comes on really strong, then we could talk about it. Why Why would you just right off the bat be like, yeah, he's a starter, and we'll take out J.J. Redick? And it's like all of a sudden it's like, well, he's not nearly as good as J.J. Redick, and now we have to sort of do this cat and mouse game. Like, it's I don't see how that could be good for his confidence, right? And, like, I mean, I don't think this is the only barometer. And, again, this is with an asterisk because they were playing, you know, in Shenzhen and in China. But, like, I mean, he shot 5 of 14 in his last two games. Um, he didn't attempt a single three. Like, you know, it's time to look kind of going back in the other direction. Meanwhile, yeah. J.J. Redick is exploding. Like you said, right? Like, if this could make it worse for Fultz. Because if they end up having to pull him from the starting lineup because he's not doing well, yeah. that's going to be bad. Whereas if they had just And let, it's a headline, too. Exactly. Instead of just letting him grow into it and earn it as the season goes on. And then right. he's got all this positive play around him. But yeah, to me, it just... It, it's kind of stinks of like process era Sixers. Yeah, a little When bit. you could understand it. Because it was like, well, we're not worried about this year. We're like trying to make decisions that'll benefit us two years from now, three years from now. Mm-hmm. And I get that in the sense that you're probably not beating the Warriors if you get to the finals. But you have a legit chance to get to the finals of the NBA this year. Yeah. Why are you messing with that? Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't quite make sense. I, I, I think, like, I don't want to doubt the Sixers front office already because they've just only been in place. But like, when you look at how much turmoil they went through the entire summer with the Colangelo thing and then not hiring a GM until very recently and then promoting Elton Brand, who may or may not have the full powers of another GM in another situation where he's more, you know, firmly in charge. And then you have Brett Brown. Like, I'm not really quite sure. Like, I feel like there needed to be sort of a better alignment in terms of what they're going to do going forward instead of moving this back and forth. Because if from from the looks of it, right, if you're going to start him, but the coach is going to bring him off the bench in the second half, that seems like a disconnect. It sounds like the front office saying, start him, he's the number one pick, and the coach being like, I got, I want to win games. I want to play JJ, right? So it's uh, it's not great. Uh, it's not great. Anyway, that does for the podcast today. Cash, thank you so much for being on the podcast, as yeah, always. It's a good one. And, um, yeah, uh, we'll be back next week with more Pound the Rock. <laughs>